0: On this week's Big Tech Show, when you travel, how do you avoid getting completely ripped off on roaming charges outside of Europe? And what are some of the travel hacks you should know about that
1: aren't included in the tech you buy? We give you all the tips you need to know. On top of my list,
2: Adrian, is my noise cancelling headphones. When I put them on, I loved it. It just goes boom. And you're in this kind of sonic bubble and you can't hear the baby and you can't hear that weird frequency of the aircon on the airplane. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Alliance. Supporting
4: all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.
3: Hello and welcome to the Throwin Independent East GAA Podcast in association with Alliance. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio as always by my co-host Michael Verney. Michael, how Will, well How are things? Well, are you well? Yeah, not too bad. A bit earlier than usual recording this morning, very early on a
2: Monday morning. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be as you know energetic and you know and good as we always are. Yeah, I'm off. I'm in Cheltenham mode now. In the next next hour, that I have to head off to chat to Ruby Walsh about uh, hopefully get a few winners for, no for way, next week. With a
3: given to me, I'll be down the Friday. So you know, well, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I'm sure I'm sure I'll see. Yeah, <laughs> Cheltenham is a, a peculiar place on the Friday. Yeah, A okay, lot of lot dead bodies floating the around. The last by days of Rome, o'clock. like yeah, yeah, pretty kind of much. Feel. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's like Dublin on on St Patrick's Day. Yeah, it's mm. just bizarre. Yeah. Um,
3: a bit of an odd weekend now in the GA. You know, really poor weather across a lot of games. Like I know you were at a, you were at a, when the water for Galway was cancelled. Like what's what's it like when you're actually down there working on it and it just gets cancelled right? Like you know just beforehand. It's
2: a bit of a disaster. You'd kind of think like, oh yeah, I can go home and finish up for the day or whatever. But you end up chatting to someone and you still have to drive home. It took me about geez, it took me me to go to four hours to get back to Dublin last night. I, I, I sat and I did, uh, I got back to Kilkenny and I sat and I from Kilkenny to Dublin and it was just all sorts of traffic on the motorway so I just ended up pulling into McDonald's and Kenny and going to sleep for an hour and a half and the traffic had passed but you, you, you pulling in a sleeper there yeah it? no I can I have this it's a, a gift from God I can sleep nearly anywhere in any conditions yeah so it was grand so the traffic had passed by the time I got moving again but the roads were just the glamorous cabal. life yeah. of a journalist that's sleeping it? in the yeah, car yeah, back of yeah.
3: McDonald's if you told them that you thought you maybe fell on hard times maybe that's, <laughs> that's yeah if
2: anybody had seen me they probably would have like knocked on the window and just said are, are you okay? actually okay are you yeah, okay yeah. sir I would probably I probably say no I'm not okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> to be I, fair. It's four hours back back to Dublin. Well I yeah, I went down to Doctor Hyde
3: Park to watch Dublin Ross Common and it was similarly freezing and yeah, just to drive home just took absolutely ages. It's crazy like how the weather can just come out of nowhere. But like without sending like Al Gore, there's going to be like these fixture malfunctions every year for the next the rest of our lives like, this is just going to be the weather now it's going to be extreme weather events every year I don't sound like a doomsday but like
2: yeah before before I came into journalism I was actually teaching geography and PE that's what I taught and global warming people are very confused about global warming because they think it's all to do with heat it's more to do with extremes extreme of temperature weather events, and that's yeah. like what we're go- like we go- We went from like the mildest uh, the mildest winter probably in Ireland's history to like bizarre weather over the last two days like that's just the nature of it you get they talk about like four seasons in one day and that's that's kind of what we get, except we just seem to get the most extreme of the four seasons in kind of one day or over a weekend. Yeah, it's mad, and it just shows you yeah, the lack of kind of planning, maybe an organisation amongst the GA as well for these things as well. There probably should be some a weekend's grace or something in place just in case things happen, which they invariably do. Yeah, hundred
3: percent. And I guess just to, to go on off the theme of last week, where we, you know every week I think we've trying to you know delve into Michael Verney's life. You know what your interests are, the movies. You like what's your favorite season? Just while we're on the topic of seasons, like you know <laughs> favorite,
2: what's, season. What's your favorite season, favorite season. We don't really like we don't really have a summer a lot of the time you know what I mean we had last year. I kinda I, I like the spring to be honest with you. Um I like it's kinda you're just kind of back training a couple of weeks. Uh the evenings are about to get a bit of a stretch. I come from a farming background and like we'd all be that about that a oh, soft day you know great great drying out that kind of crap. <laughs> so I like there was actually two alpha that used to live up the road from me, two farmers and uh they didn't change their clock back or put it forward. So they, they just live their lives Yeah they were operating On old time And new time Oh so that's fierce, like genuine. It, it would be like Five o'clock And it'd be like Oh it's four o'clock Old time Or something like that <laughs> You know what I mean That's kind of Yeah that's I, I kind of like that I like the spring Kind of time of the year Getting towards The end of March When the clocks go back And you have an extra hour In the field Usually in the evenings then Do you miss teaching? Do I miss teaching? I miss the regularity of the hours, all right, yeah. If summer's off. Yeah, you don't, you wouldn't be sleeping in a McDonald's car park for two, <laughs> for two hours when you're teaching. As well. <laughs> you could just go home. But, uh, yeah, I miss, I miss the hours, all right, yeah. Journalism's a little more demanding on the, with deadlines, you know, half-nine deadlines every evening, but, uh, what more could you want going to all the greatest kind of sporting events and being in the, the best seat in the house?
3: And we'll start this week's discussion with uh, Mayo versus Galway, probably one of the biggest games of the weekend. Delighted to be joined in studio by Roy Curtis of the Sunday World and on the line by Tomas O'Shea. Roy, I guess it was the kind of game that, much like the Dublin one in Croke Park, we were looking for Mayo to maybe deliver a statement of intent, but instead Galway continued that stranglehold they've had over them. I think they've won seven in a row. James Horan had a hugely positive record against Galway when he was in charge the first time, but doesn't show much
1: sign of abating so far. Yeah, I think it's a brutal reality check for for Mayo and for James Horan. Obviously, his back catalogue commands respect and there was a lot of hope when he came back. They had the three early wins. But I think the decline that you saw last year is evident again. And the lack of reseeding in the forward line for all the talk of other guys coming in. In the two games against Dublin and Galway and their games, for obvious reasons, James Horan would have really targeted. Wanting to rest that 14-game streak without winning against Jim Gavin. And obviously... Restating their dominance over Galway, who had, who have taken over since James Horan's time in the two games, they scored 19 points, which is less than Dublin got in one game against Roscommon. And um, their goalkeeper was the joint leading scorer um, against against Dublin last week. And yesterday there were all the old failings. I mean, they they um, they won more opposition kickouts, had more shots from open play, more shots from place balls, more attacks, more turnovers. And yet still they come out on the wrong side. Galway played with thirteen men for a period. I think there there are real issues for Mayo. I mean, there's a huge yearning there, another ten thousand plus crowd there. They did huge support in Crow Park last week. But I think the reality is very different on the yearning, and the reality is Mayo not winning any All-Ireland. Yeah, and outscored with with a two-man advantage for 10 minutes, and
3: of the young forwards, you say, have kind of failed to fire. I think they've only contributed two points in play across those two defeats to to Galway and to Dublin.
1: Yeah, I think the first three games Mayo played maybe gave us a bit of a false impression. I think they'd been back training earlier than other teams. James Horan wanted to make an early mark, but as teams are starting to catch up with them, and as they're playing the teams that they are measured against, and Dublin and Galway are the two teams that Mayo are probably most closely measured against. They've had they've had chastening experiences. I, I watched the interview with James Horan afterwards and even he seemed a little resigned. I thought he was saying, you know, we we'll go back training this week and we work on these things. But they're the same things that they've been working on for month after month and year after year, how to get an attack that can sustain an All-Ireland run. Um, the team, key players on the team, I think have, have declined. Great players are going are not getting any better. I thought Cormac Costello gave the great Keith Higgins a bit of a roasting on his hundred and fiftieth appearance last last week. Lee Keegan hasn't fired yet. I know he could peak in summer and Mayo's only concern will be summer. But at the same time, if you look at the momentum Kerry are building under new management and now compare it with how Mayo have stalled the last couple of days, I think it's a real, real worry. Yeah, we're bringing Tomás O'Shea in the line now. Tomás,
3: like, are we kind of are we being a bit too pessimistic with Mayo? Because it is, it is just a league. Traditionally, they haven't really fired in the league. But after three opening wins, it did look like they were building something. The young forwards were going well. But the last two games against, I guess, the, the top opposition, it, it has been a fairly brutal reality check, as Roy says.
4: It has, and I think I suppose you to think about it. Like they came in, and James Horan came back, and there was a kind of a burst of energy. It was the guy who the players wanted, you know, there was a a kind of a a rejuvenation of sorts there when he came in, right? But they started off with Ross Connor. They played a a very, very poor Tyrone team after. They got a couple of wins under their belt. Everybody started talking about them again. They started playing Reap, Connor Diskin, uh, Ruan around the middle of the field, McDonough at wing forward now. That midfielder and McDonough are going to be, I'd say, players that will probably push the starting team. But the reality is, like, Mayo have played a couple of matches now, and they, Dublin especially, I think, it just showed. And everybody, if you want to compare a team at the moment, I think, bring them into Crow Park and put them against the Dubs, right? But, I think the Galway game was a serious question for them. I mean... Um, Kevin Walsh has an unbelievable record. He's lost once since he's taken over against Mayo. I, that was what Mayo based all their success on, was the, the success they had in Connacht. Uh, James Warren had a great record in Connacht. And I think after the Dublin game, they were so deflated. Rumours had it that they were inside the dressing room for two hours after the game, after that Dublin game, on the performance. They were disgusted with it. They could not believe how they just didn't show up. And that, against Galway, at home, was your opportunity to answer it. And I'm afraid the old failings did come up. Now, something that jumped out at me, if you, you talk about the Mayo brilliant performances over the years, and I'm not going to write Mayo off. Look, you know, you'd be foolish to write them off at this stage. It's it's March, OK? and But the one thing was the half-back line, the attacking, um, I suppose option they have always it's based around a good platform at half back you didn't have that Lee Keegan was was busy enough marking Shane Walsh throughout the night he didn't have the opportunities cut forward like he normally does but it did come down they had enough possession they had enough uh, and it, it, it's too easy I think to an analysis to say add have no forwards I think they have plenty I think when it co- boils down to it shot selection even at the very very end Vaughn even like he got through he got a score They needed a goal. They needed an actual. The time was up. Time was actually up there. They needed a goal, and just simple things that just seem to go wrong in them constantly. Um, I do think, and it's people say that Mayo don't have the courage to go forward, or Mayo don't have the have what it takes to cross the line. I think to have it in Oodles, like for, for them to create those chances in the first place, just proves that point. But it's the clinicalness that they just do not have. And, like, Galway, you can argue, I don't think there's any team. There's no team in the country to finish article right now. You know, there's certain teams performing better um, than other teams. But there's no team to finish article at the moment. But, I suppose, you look at Galway and the way they're playing, and I still don't think they're the balance. I think, potentially, Galway could be very good. I think, potentially, they have serious footballers, and they have great forwards, and they have direct runners, which... Possibly, I think Mayo lack inside. Like, they put in the long ball. I don't think Morn is as good in terms of taking fellas on anymore. He will still create, and don't get me wrong, the pitches are heavy and all that, and I think you'll see a different Mayo. But they don't have a player like um, that'll just attack and run and take players on, and every single time he gets the ball, cause fear in the opposition. If they had a player that could just, they're, they're depending on long kicks, they're depending on support runners, they're depending on creating a loop for the likes of Killian O'Connor. They have no fellow that actually needs to go, go himself, and actually score. Um, and I look, you could say the same for a lot of teams. But it is disappointing, I think, uh, for James Horne that, um, you know, they, they fell kind of, created so many opportunities, and yet didn't cross the line again. I, and it's the it's the same thing that's going to be thrown at them again over this. But it is early, I would say that. I'm not going to write them off, but at the same time, it's very, very hard to see. Right, they brought in X amount of players. Realistically, realistically, are they going to start to um, uh, run and, and um, McDonough? Right, the two of them. Realistically, you start. You're going with the same crew again, no matter what. And the qu- big question is, Is there enough there? From what we've seen right now, no, there isn't. From now, no, there
1: isn't. I I think Tomás makes, makes the point. He says it's too early to write Mayo off. I don't think it is too early to write them off because Mayo last year were a shadow of the team we've seen before. What have we seen that has improved under James Horan? As Tomás says, one or two players have come in and made slight impacts, but it's going to be the same players again, a year older than when they weren't good enough. Smalls makes the point about them having plenty of forwards and them being plenty good enough, but shot selection being an issue. I think shot selection is part of what being a good forward is. They had a 41% return yesterday as against 60% from Galway. Um, If you look at Dublin's returns in big matches, 41% is not going to get you anywhere close. Mayo have been able to match Dublin intensity um, two years ago, three years ago, but those players are getting older as Dublin are receding and getting younger. Mayo are getting further off the mark if you were ranking the teams on a grid now, a Grand Prix grid, I don't know how you could have Mayo ahead of 6th or 7th position. And 6th or 7th position is
4: nowhere in this whole do, Ireland Do race. you subscribe to it? Sorry, did you su- I agree. Right, I, I totally agree with that. But I, the, the argument I would give is two, three, four years ago, the same argument could be made at this time of the championship, whatever it is. And I've, I've got caught in that, in that I've totally written off, Mayo. no way, they don't have the forwards, they don't have, yes, somehow, like they should have been beaten and knocked out of the championship. There's no doubt in my mind, um, a, a few years ago, they, uh, they struggled above in Castlebar. The following week, they came down to Limerick and Cork should have baited them out the gap. Yes, they were there at the last Sunday and really putting, uh, Dublin to the pin of their collar and yes I do agree I don't Mayo there's nothing in Mayo right now that would make, would make me say that they're going to win in Ireland this year absolutely not at the same time I still think they have the ability to be a lot better than what they are on Saturday and with the week before It's it's like I do like they're depending on the same bunch that's the problem for Mayo they're depending on the same bunch they do have a couple of players coming through and yes but I still believe that they they'll create chances. May all create chances. It's taking the chances are, is is, is, a, is a serious issue for them. Uh, Roy's after mid, firing off the the, uh, the percentages. It's the same issue every single year, every single year. So yeah, you'd have to say you'd have to question the forwards. Sure, what else are you going to do? Only question the forwards and that you have to. And Roy's right. Like is, is that not part of being a top quality forward? Of course it is. But Roy, do, it do you
3: think, Roy, um, they would have benefited <coughs> from that early championship exit last year? A bit of rest for those weary bodies that had been on the go up until September for six, seven years in a row?
1: Yeah, and they got the manager, as Tomás says, they got the manager they want, James Horan. And there was this element of resurgence. And there was such huge desire in Mayo that the moment they develop a bit of momentum, the tide becomes a tsunami straight away. And perhaps that, that becomes a burden as well. Um they have, they, they have one principal issue. I mean, Tomás makes a very good point. There's huge competitive character and will to win in Mayo. It carried them to heights against Dublin that probably exceeded their ability in many ways. But those players were two years and three years younger. And if you look at the vital figures in the Mayo team, with the exception of Paddy Durkin, Aidan O'Shea, Dermot O'Connor, there are so many of the key figures are now on the wrong side of 30. They have huge mileage on the clock. They have a competitive history of disappointment, of not getting there. There's a desperation about it. Um, We talked about the players who've come in. Are any of them going to be significant game changers? In the way that the Kerry guys coming through have been significant game changers. In the way that Dublin, when they've been at their very best, have brought in Niall Scully one year, Conor Canahill in the next year, Brian Howard the year after that, possibly um, Darren Gavin this year. They're constantly improving, adding to the edge. Players are under pressure to keep their place. I don't see that in the Mayo team. Look, we all have a soft spot for what Mayo are really trying to do without patronising them. But the reality is, peak Mayo was 2000s. And 14 to 2017. They got close, they couldn't get over the line. They are not as good as they were then. And I think Dublin are equally good, if not better. Kerry are improving. Donegal, I would have ahead of them. Monaghan may have one last thing. Mayo are down the grid, and Mayo are not winning in All Ireland, unfortunately. Well, Michael, just on Roy's point, he mentions Kerry and how they have
3: added to their, you know, their collection of players. Like another great win for them at the weekend. They really have developed. A, they're very hard to beat. Like you know, they've only they've had three clean sheets in their first five games. The young players are
2: contributing. Tommy Walsh is contributing as well. Peter Kane seems to be ticking a lot of boxes at the moment. Yeah, just the one thing I've really noticed is just how in your face they are now. Just even I think Conor McManus was was done for overcarrying yesterday at one stage, and it was just three or four lads in the top of him and just kind of bouncing off him and just letting them know that they were there and letting them know that they were after getting a little victory or whatever. And it's just it's, it's totally different than last year. While the defensive structure is obviously there's a lot more bodies back there, it's a lot tighter. They're far more in your face. They're far they're, they're far more mean and kind of vicious. There's maybe a vicious. Since there that I haven't seen in a couple of years. I, de- I definitely haven't seen it over over the last few years, anyway. And that's that that combined with a savage kind of work rate that they seem to have as well, and the likes of Tommy Walsh coming back and offering them something different, and just Stephen O'Brien as well during the league so far. He's been he's been outstanding. He's probably been he's probably nearly been their best player. I'd say. He, for such a slight player he's just he's unbelievable really good ball winner inside really good at pushing a man away and getting a chance to shoot as well and he's been outstanding and they have so many bodies to come back as well but those big names aren't exactly going to waltz back into that team with the way they've played so far during the league they've, they've been really really impressive
3: That's interesting to most. do you agree with Michael on there that the, the Kerry players are a bit more you know in your face or, or I guess mean and vicious for the words he used
0: Ah <laughs> uh.
4: <laughs> I hate to describe a carry footballer as being mean and vicious, but um, I, I, I do think I think there's a harder edge about them. Like you know, you, you look at last year, okay, and you say, what are the big differences? There has to be some differences. there after winning five and a trot now, and yes, there is. I, I, somebody I, I, I saw on uh, Twitter yesterday, somebody pointed out that between minor and senior. Peter Keane has played 22, uh, or managed 22 games under Kerry, and has won every single one of them. He hasn't lost a game in managing Kerry at the moment. Now he will, he, like that, will come to an end as well. But I do think the big change, I suppose, is there is a consistency in the performances. Everything is based on work rate. It's it's the foundation of what Peter Keane does. Like I'm not saying any other manager doesn't base it on work rate, but he really, really um, gets his number 15 back to number one. That's what you start on. You put a game plan into play after that and I think the game plan has has largely been a lot more defensive and not defensive in the way that you're dropping men back but that men work back. Now, there are still frailties there there are still frailties it was shown up in the first 10-15 minutes of the game yesterday and they're by no means the finished product the ball went in very early and there's creaking going on inside in that full back line there's still issues inside if they're given space if they're given direct uh, ball Monaghan made hay there yesterday for a while Conor McManus was outstanding for the first 15-20 minutes but there's such a work rate out the field that I believe the running through the defence that was there possibly last year, the easier scores, they're stopping a lot more than they were, is basically the point I'm making. And I think that um, you can say that the players are a year older, the younger lads that were in there last last year. Stephen O'Brien has been outstanding. I think Sean O'Shea and Paul Murphy have been absolutely rocks throughout all the five games. You know, I think it was a mistake playing Sean O'Shea last week. He had a cigarette, he enjoyed himself for a couple of days. And he shouldn't have been played. And he had a, his, probably his poorest game so far. Uh, yesterday he was outstanding. Paul Murphy is dictating everything at the back. He's a clever, clever, intelligent footballer. But he, he's he's at the pace of it. I think the, the older players are, are playing with that little bit of spice in their legs. I think Jack Sherwood at full back. Everybody is expecting this man to go wrong somewhere. But he has not. He has yet to put a foot wrong. And um, you know the young lads of Daramain and Gavin O'Brien. I think they've they've really just start off, they, they cracked Beggin yesterday, which is, if you look at the top teams, Dublin, they go after the kickouts. They absolutely chase the kickouts out. I think it was everybody goes on about the goalie and how important it is, and I totally buy into that. It is huge. You pressurised Beggin was pressurised yesterday, and Kerry got unbelievable scores off it. They turned him over around the middle of the field. It was a workman like performance. However, Is there still issues? I do. I still think there's a couple of issues there. Yeah, I'd be worried about the full-back line at times. And I'd also... But what full-back line in the country? The dubs included. What full-back line in the country, if you give every early ball or run at them, aren't in trouble? Uh, Tomás, what do you make of Tommy Walsh's performances? I thought Tommy Walsh was excellent yesterday. You know, it's amazing. Like Tommy Walsh was in the county for the last few years and I don't know, is it the work that's been done, the, the, the amount of time or space he's, that's been created for him in, in playing away with his club? Or is it something Peter Keane is doing with him? But he seems to be a player transformed. There's no way his performances, yes, they were good in the county championship last year, but there's no way you would have said, oh yeah, he's a, a role to play there. He seems to be growing by the week. And it, definitely I could see him shouting uh, yesterday, you know, barking orders, even though he had, there was a gap of years missed, he's still He is a leader at the moment, you know, and he is one of the older heads. But, I mean, in terms of, and people were were making the point, Tommy Welsh won't have an effect on the championship because the mark won't be there in the championship. (laughs) I disagree. I mean, if you're catching ball at pace early and there's fellas like Clifford coming off you, there's fellas like Sean Shea coming off you, that's the one big thing with uh, Peter Keane as well. I think he is emphasising the runners like... Tom O'Sullivan, how many times did he bomb forward coming off the shoulder? Uh, Gavin White is a fellow I'm excited to see come back after the Croaks game. Um, there is pace and directness that there wasn't. The Kerry following, they'd be knowledgeable crew. They hate ball going lateral, they hate slowing down the game. They want it fast. Sometimes you have to slow it down, but if you can, you go direct. And Tommy Welch is certainly an option with direct football. Huge. And even, like, Wiley, I, I, I would argue for Wiley as an all-star last year. And, jeez, uh, uh, he, he batted, he caught, he went up for a hot ball. And I, I, Darren Hughes, he absolutely held him like he was a young fella, saying, who's that fella? And then I saw it was Darren Hughes. The strength of him alone is I, massive. And but I think, I Tomas, think as well, too. I, I, I think
1: it's significant. If Dublin have a weakness, it's in the full-back line. If you look at how Common got their goal again yesterday, a mishit point, panic in the Dublin defence, and Tommy Walsh is a player who can do serious damage there. I agree with you. I mean, obviously, he has, he has taken a huge amount of marks. He took four yesterday. But if you catch ball and you have runners, I mean, what we're seeing with Kerry at the moment, we seem to forget that the boy Prince, I mean, Clifford hasn't played a game. Paul Geeney is not there. There's huge attacking quality. James O'Donoghue. Uh, James O'Donoghue. What, what I really like, there's a sense... Yeah. There's a a palpable sense of renewal. You can see the Kerry people are back behind the team. If you look at the five games, they've won by 4-4-3, 1-1. Against Dublin, Dublin came back, got level. Kerry went again. Yesterday, they outscored Monaghan 7-1 down the stretch. Against Galway, when it was really in the melting pot, they found a way to win. You have young guys developing momentum, being helped by Paul Murphy, I think Thomas Sullivan is a huge addition. He was, I think he was Radio Kerry's footballer of the year down there. He's a tenacious defender. He gets forward. His scoring rate for his club last year coming from defence and as Tomas says, there's that speed, there's accuracy. If you are looking now, I mean, it looks like Dublin and Kerry will be playing in the league final in Crow Park again, the way things are set up and given the tempo of that game down in Tralee, if Kerry can come up And they'll really want to play Dublin and Crow Park before the summer again, I think. If they could lay down some sort of marker in that game, you really set up with Dublin having the five in a row. I know I I did a piece yesterday and I was talking about, Kerry, remind me a little bit of Manchester United's class of 92 and a whole stream of real quality young guys coming online together. And like the class of 92, you would have won nothing with kids if there wasn't experienced guys beside them. And if Tommy Walsh, if Paul Murphy, if Paul Geaney. If these guys can play big roles, um, David Moore and getting back there, I mean, I think Kerry are a serious option. If you look at the way a Kerry team came out of nowhere in 1975, Dublin had won in All Ireland, and Miko brought this young Kerry team. They captivated football. They went on to win eight of the next twelve. Now, I'm not for a moment saying that will happen with this team.
4: But they have quality. They have real quality. and They, do well. they, have, they have a couple of new players, like the Gavin O'Brien's, the Dara Moynihan's. It'll be interesting to see, like he's tried about 28, 29 players. It'll be interesting to see what team he sends out in Championship. And yes, there's people getting excited in Kerry. But the bottom line is that the last time they played in Championship, the Super 8s was very, very disappointing. You had largely a lot of the same players I think they're playing with a confidence that they possibly weren't. I think there's a consistency in the way they want to play and the way they are playing, um, and there are players to come back. But I, I, there's something in me saying, "Jakers," like everybody was blowing about Mayo Grand, and there are new players. There, it is you can compare like with like here. I mean, James, I don't know, for example, how many times we're saying this? 2014 is last time James I don't know has put it together. So there's no point in saying James I don't know. James I don't know who has been consistently injured for the last, I don't know how long, and it's a pity really, he is a great talent, which I wouldn't be planning, with J- with James O'Donnell, until I see him, putting three or four games together, Paul Ganey hasn't really, set the world alight, in the last while as well, I think Clifford is exciting, and I think Clifford, will add to it, I think if you get, the hard ground going, uh, during the summer, he's a joy to watch, and I do think, the foundation, of their work rate, like the big thing for Kerry, for me last year, the big thing, they always had talent, they always had footballers, they were too easy, to score against, too easy. Has that been, um, has there something been done about that? I think there has, yeah. I think they're actually a little, little bit harder. Is it sorted by no, geez, what Dublin did in Tralee? What Dublin, if Dublin had another five minutes and if Dublin had clocks in that night, I would say no doubt of my mind Dublin would have won that match. No doubt of my mind. Kerry allowed them to get in for two handy goals when they dominated the first half. It's yesterday, early Ball went in. Peter Crowley is now your designated man on man marker. You ask me, uh, is Peter Crowley a man-on-man marker? I'd say no, not naturally at all at all. So there are still issues. It's all very positive, and potentially, like the young lads, do not fear, they don't have a mental block against anyone. Like they, they're used to winning, and I think that is important. They're after, actually, um, like the, the older lads, the Paul Murphy's, the Paul Ganey's, the Dave Moore's, who weren't up to scratch last year, definitely they're, they're like Paul Murphy's playing outstanding stuff. Uh, I think they're after reinvigorating. I think the Peter Keane thing, Dornie Buckley, Tommy Griffin, um, I think it's all kind of, I think it's it, it's a myriad of things that are after coming together and they're just playing good. They seem like they're enjoying it, you know, and um, I would love, I would love to see uh, Dublin, and it's no disrespect to anybody else, I would love to see a dublin uh league final, just to see, just from a purely selfish side, to see where Kerry are at Cope Park against Dublin where it matters because I do think that if they did potentially, now this is just down the line, if they potentially put it up to Dublin on that day just to lay a couple of, of, of question marks in their doubts in their mind, like the ball is still fully in Dublin's court. There's no doubt about that. But uh, it's very positive from a Kerry point of view in terms of nobody would foresee this start to the year. Nobody. I think and a lot of people are looking forward to the last final. Dean is cute. Peter Keenan will actually he'll talk about the ducks on the street before he'll actually put Terry up on a pedal cell. So uh, they are the right man in charge when it comes to that as well.
3: Great stuff, Tomas. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, William. Thanks. So, Michael Tomas is looking forward to a potential Dublin Kerry League final, and Jim Gavin's men did take a step towards that yesterday in Dr Hyde Park in at- atrocious conditions. But it was actually a decent enough game considering how bad the rain was, especially in the first half. Like Ross really put it up to Dublin. I know. Is there anything to take away from the game? You think overall?
2: Yeah. No. Ross Common did put it up to them and went two up, obviously, and then I don't think they scored. They scored a point thereafter. In the injury time. And, yeah, yeah, which is which is a bit mad. Like, but it's just kind of it's. I suppose from Dublin's point of view, having it been put up to them again and. Performing again is and it's kind of something we're just getting used to now at this stage. It it is, and it was noted last week. I think Frank Roach had a piece just about the the winning margins in Crow Park as opposed to away venues. There does seem like you would imagine Dublin would would have probably steamrolled Roscommon if that was in Crow Park. So there's definitely, there's definitely merit to Dublin being on the road, be it in league or championship, just because it seems to draw more competitive games against counties that, that they wouldn't normally as well. But Dublin just building, building, building. I'd say. After maybe it looking like they weren't going to be back in the league final, Jim Gavin is probably happy enough now. It looks like they're going to have the same type of preparation that they've had every year under his management, so they won't be have to deviate from the norm too much.
1: I I think a lot of other managers at the moment would probably want to put down the prayer mat. Um, Dublin are nowhere near full power at the moment, yet they the, the highest total in the top two divisions yesterday. We talk about them not being as good out of Crow Park, but they scored two nine from play. They scored two fourteen, which was more than any other team. Um, Managed last week against Mayo. They eviscerated Mayo. They created seven clear-cut goal chances. Um, Jim was able to get game time into fringe players yesterday. Keen O'Connor, Colin Basquill Robbie McDade. Most significantly, as we said earlier, Darren Gavin, who... Is going to be a real option at midfield for them this year. I know he's doing final exams. I know he's very highly rated within within the setup. Um, it's all long term, right? It, it is. It's all. It's all Everything long-term. is long term. Even coming for its four games, like it's all thinking totally, down the line. Totally, yeah. they they really have. I mean, the likelihood is they're going to play a seventh straight league final on the gym, and yet they've used the league every year to bring in players to experiment. I mean. If you took the players out of any other team that Dublin were missing yesterday, Kieran Kilkenny is probably the most influential player in the country. James McCarthy has been a footballer of the year candidate. They weren't involved at all. Paul Mannion, Brian Howard come off the bench. Like these are all time great footballers that Dublin are resting, that as as Michael's saying, they're using long term development. Um they will be I would say they're at about sixty percent at the moment, and yet they swept Mayo aside. They were they held Common scoreless for half an hour yesterday. They're going back to another league final, assuming they beat Tyrone and Crow Park and Cavan on the road. Um, and they, they're entering... They could not be in better shape entering a five-in-a-row summer.
2: Just something interesting to know, actually. Uh, newer players that are brought in around the Dublin setup, and particularly fringe players that aren't going to see any action or maybe don't make a match day at 26 and haven't been involved in that kind of scenario before, a lot of time they will they will sit up with the stats people and see exactly what the stats people are looking for see exactly what type of style of play maybe so even if they're not involved in the match day 26 they're always learning and always planning forward which is just interesting it just and it's another little like into the mind of Jim Gavin like everything is for a purpose if you're not like if that without being smart that was in most most other counties if you're not involved in the 26 you're maybe sitting up in the stand looking at the match or you're at home or whatever but he's got 36 lads there on match day the 10 that aren't involved are always learning it just means that if they pick up two injuries he's able to come in he's not like it's, not, it's like a rugby setup as well. It's like something Joe Schmidt would do as well. Mm. Everything is, you're thinking of down the line and Jim has always talked about, well, he never talked about it, but he had these depth charts and he all, he's always thinking about what happens if this guy or this guy is out. So he's always planning forward. And just for that five in a row,
3: Summer, you mentioned, Roy, obviously people are wondering if there'll be a challenger emerging. It's good to see Meade, you know, possibly in Leinster, you know, on the verge of promotion. Now they won a very close game against Calera so they got a late penalty to win it but it would be great to see them re-emerge even in, in some
1: shape or form I saw, saw an interview over the weekend where Mead players were even saying that Dublin people would like to see Meade back I mean I grew up on the Dublin-Meade rivalry that 91 series and those of us of a certain generation still regard Meade as a huge rival um, they're, they're desperately required I mean for Leinster to be anything Dublin are not going to come back to the pack, so it needs Mead and Kildare, the two big population centres, to take steps forward. Mead were behind everybody in their development. They were antiquated in the way they approached stuff, and it left them it left them behind the black ball. They've lost ground. They are gaining momentum now. They, um, I think that was a key game yesterday because it was against Kildare, a Leinster rival, and if Mead can get promoted... Over the next two or three years, you could see them being more competitive in Leinster. They have a huge population base. They have huge resources. It's a very wealthy county. They have scandalously underachieved. I mean, this was a county that won 4 all Ireland between 1987 and 1999. To go as far backwards as they have, like Cork, I mean, Cork and themselves dominated football for that period in the late 80s. Um, and they're two teams that are really required. And the reason Hurling is so competitive at the moment is all the big counties are very good, and other counties have come true to challenge, but a lot of the traditional counties in football have gone so far backwards that they're playing catch up but hopefully um for the sake of Leinster, Mead and Kildare can continue to develop
2: big win for Mead yesterday like coming from behind I, I don't think K- Kildare had higher conditions yeah as well.
1: had won seven on the board at half <laughs> yeah.
2: time and only scored a point thereafter as well Do you know so that that was within their grasp It's it's a mad kind of a league, but in fairness to, to Mead, they've pulled out a couple of big results. When they, and they obviously they threw away a game against Donegal as well, so they'd probably be promoted at this stage if it Even wasn't in the for the
1: championship that. last year. Uh, Michael, I mean, they had to run pretty much on the it's right, right yeah. Tung, Tung got, the last, got to the All Ireland final free. Yeah, yeah I mean, extra time. So there is signs, definitive signs of, of progress. And there. it's funny you talk about how the
3: traditional counties maybe not doing as well, but yeah, and you have a county like Fermanagh with their tiny population, like one win away from from Division One football. Nobody would have predicted it. I know our style of play is. Qu- you know, not very lo- much loved by most people but Rory Gallagher can, is is able to set up a team that makes it so frustrating to play against
1: before last weekend anyway they had the lowest score conceded and scored I think across all four divisions He's cut his cloth to suit his measure I mean they have a tiny playing resource and what they're doing is incredible I mean they would never have been in Division 1 in this era of football since, since the leagues were restructured um, it's not pretty to watch but it's it's very difficult. There's to, some type of teaser to it as well. The, the, though. I, there, a, there actually is. Yeah. And it's very difficult to argue against the team squeezing every last blob. Yeah. I, I, I heard um, Gallagher speaking about it and he, he was asking, are the players enjoying this? Um, the inference being that how could players enjoy playing a system that didn't allow sort of freedom of expression. And his response was very simple. They enjoy winning They're competitors. And if you can do something that makes a team as good as it can possibly be, Fermanagh are overachieving. And there are a lesson to other teams that self-pity and giving out about where Dublin are playing, concentrate on getting the very best out of themselves.
2: Yeah, no, I, I've been really impressed. I, as Roy said as well, like, I think probably some of the frustration maybe with Galway is because we know like Galway have serious talent and people maybe want to see them playing uh, more swashbuckling style. But that's like not the case in Fermanagh. They're very, very limited resources and there's something very admirable about squeezing every last um, every last like bit of energy you have out of limited resources and I think what he's doing is phenomenal. Like they're only up from division three last year, like, which is and they could be in division one by the end of this year, which is class. Crazy. And
3: talking about squeezing every last drop, Leitrim's first promotion, I think it was themselves and maybe London were the only two teams who hadn't experienced it in the new redrawn league. So another great story in this league campaign. Yeah,
2: it's brilliant. Like and they're they're back they're up in division three with with two games to play as well, which is which is gas are going to be playing Derry in, in one of the one of the group games and then they're going to play them in the final again and as I've said it on this programme a couple of times like they have the same problem that Mayo have they have a huge amount of bodies in Dublin and they've just got on with it and in fairness it, that's hugely admirable as well. They don't have massive resources. They don't have a massive pick. They don't have a massive amount of clubs, but they obviously have everyone on board. And I think Colum Keys tweeted yesterday as well. Like I think it's I think it's Terry Highland's third or fourth promotion in in six years yeah. with two different counties with Cavan and Leitrim. Like that's that's mad. It's a couple stats. of under twenty one titles with Cavan as well. Like yeah. he's had a, had a good record. Oh, he definitely has. Yeah, it's a great it's a great story. I,
1: I was I was in I was at the Connacht final in nineteen ninety four when when Leitrim won, and it was one of the most emotive occasions. And you realised town, how it touches the kernel and the core of a community, and that's what they're doing now. When you hear Emlyn Mulligan talking about playing in Crow Park, this is a guy. If he was born in another county, would probably have all stars, would potentially have all Ireland's provincial medals. But the nature of the game, he has to he has to make the best of what he can with his native county. And um, I heard I heard them talking yesterday, and they, I reckon. Maybe one, possibly none of the players have played in Crow Park. When we're talking about how frequently we see games in Crow Park, and that league final for them will be a huge occasion. Common have, have rolled them over in the, the championship a couple of times recently. But again, the power of momentum in any sport. Leitrim will go in um, to summer now, believing they can cause obsession. So what Carlo did there.
3: last year after getting promoted straight in, knocked out Kildare. Very similar situation. Time to turn our attention to hurling now on the throwing in association with Alliance and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Waterford legend John Milan. But Michael, first, I guess there wasn't a whole lot of hurling this week with, with the cancellations due to the bad weather, and it's just extremely frustrating that for the second year in a row they didn't doesn't seem to have been a plan in place in case there was some bad weather now it looks like we're going to have to postpone a couple of the knockout rounds put them back another week
2: Yeah I was down, down in Waterford yesterday I was expecting maybe John to be riding down the keys or something to provide <laughs> entertainment entertainment for people considering the match was called off but um, no it's just, it's a bit of a disaster in the sense that you know I, I was about 10 minutes outside Waterford and then you get notification that the game is called off that's about 45 minutes beforehand and it's not that's not the fault of the Waterford County board or anyone I just think maybe pitching space could have been a bit earlier, I suppose. There's nothing really you can do that. Galway were after traveling that lent, that length of time, I, like I three or four you hours.
3: T- you tweeted that you thought I, I, I didn't. I didn't really understand. This is like a, consp- a weather conspiracy theory, maybe in your head about what well, the games being cancelled. Yeah, it's been, no. It's I, out I, for... I
2: just thought it was strange that uh, all eleven games in two A, two B, three A, and three B were called off, and then that three games were or were played. Were played sorry, yeah. and three games within one A and one B were called off, and. I think it's, I don't know if it's to do with the weather. I think it's more to do with a lack of respect, I would say, for lower low tiered hurling, to yeah. honest with you. But I wasn't really sure what I was trying to say, yeah. but uh, people, yeah, people started taking interest. pops off me then as well. <laughs> like what? Uh, no, just yeah. saying, like, someone texted me or sent a message this morning, it's the weather, you plonker. <laughs> so yeah, at least he's an only fools and horses fan in Paris, I didn't mind that. Uh, yes, Roy. The only game over the
3: weekend was Limerick Clare. finishing finished in a draw again in, in fairly biblical conditions. And um, I don't know, like, has any team jumped out of you, like, in terms of who's going well in this league or, or who, who who's
1: impressed you. Well, Limerick have impressed me. I know they, I know they were beaten last week, and I know Jackie Tyrrell was talking about that they'd have to find two or three players to be a factor, to be a factor again. But I mean. Paddy O'Loughlin yesterday I thought did well for them and Peter Casey who was a fringe player last year an impact sub if you like he he was superb yesterday they I thought Keane Lynch his his touch around the game but yesterday's game I mean considering the conditions for a start you had eight and a half thousand people there there was unceasing intensity to it you had that sort of residue of tribal enmity your bookings before the throw in you'd gorgeous scores and Clare are the one team. That Limerick have not been able to get the measure of. They they beat them in championship the last three years, um, they got the draw yesterday. I know Limerick uh, beat them in the league quarter final last year, but Clare are very strong as well. I mean, this time last year I backed Claire to win the. Or I Limerick to win the All Ireland. I've backed Cork this year, um, and the, the fact that they beat Limerick and the fact that I think they'll be better on the when the ground, when the ground does improve, but I still think Limerick are up there as the team to beat.
3: Yeah, John, what have you made of of, of Limerick in the league? Because uh, Jockey Turrell's comments did get a lot of, uh, I guess, attention when he said he didn't rate them as like, All-Ireland contenders or, or as, w- as certainly one of the top contenders. For, for you, where are they amongst the pack at the moment?
0: It was interesting he said that they weren't in the top three. Uh, totally disagree on that one. Then I suppose he came back then and he said that they, were shorts. they need to find another four or five players. For me, they're the, they're the best that panel in the, in the country. Uh, and I think they'd cover um, in every line. Uh, they have a great substitute keeper and in defence uh, full back line they've covered Tom Condon is coming in he's putting his hand up uh, half back line you know we have seen Pad- Paddy O'Loughlin he's covered for the half back line there's another lad who hasn't played any part in this league yet and he's going to play a big part in this summer is Will O'Donnell I, I, I really like Will O'Donnell uh, in the Pioci clad he's got cover in the half forward line and look Peter Casey came in yesterday scored three points, uh, you know, took took over from Grey Mulcaty. Um, you know, Dowling Dowling only came on. So for me, I think, you know, Limerick are in a are in a are in a great place. Um you know, for me they are the team to beat. Uh, on current form, they're all Ireland champions. They really have to hitting the ground running. Uh in the start of this league. And if I was John Kiley now, why would you say, look, we're gonna go and win the league. That they're going to be playing leash in, in the quarter-final. They're going to, the team that they're going to be playing in in the semi-final are more realistically going to be coming off of a, a game the week before, so they're going to have a two-week break. So I think Limerick are in a great position to kick on and win a first-league title. Limerick haven't won the league since 1997. And you know, if we're going to measure this Limerick team to, to the Kilkenny teams of the past, the Brian Cody team or the Kilkenny team of the past, they try and win every trophy. So I think for John Coyley... I'll be saying right, keep doing what you're doing, and keep rotating the panel throughout the league. But when it gets to the business end of it, semi-final, final stage, go and win it.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. It does set up really well for them. You know, he could rotate his panel against Leach, and they have another week off, and they have a two, maybe a two-week stint with a semi in a final. So it set up really nicely for them to have a real crack at this.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with John. I think they, I think they definitely will go for it. Kylie's not the sort of lad to, to keep the powder dry at all, and he's too, there's too much competition, too much competition within their squad for anybody to take their eye off the ball at all. I think yesterday, again, you just saw like. Limerick aren't going to give in, in in games. like They had that, like if Galán had scored a penalty, they would have probably been well up. But then the game quickly turned and easily, the momentum turned completely with Duggan's goal and they could have easily, you know, threw in the white flag and been beaten by a couple of points. But it's just, it's just not really in their DNA. Um, I think that's the, probably the big takeaway from this league for me is that intensity levels haven't dropped. Hunger hasn't waned in one bit. If anything... Like Jackie said, like they've got to get used to having, having a target on their back. I think they're absolutely loving having a target on their back every day to go. And they'll have a bigger target on the back on their back if they win the league. And it'll just mean that they'll have to be on their toes even more. And I, don't, I just don't see that as a worry with this side. It, they just look like they have something different. And the big thing, as I said, the squad depth is massive. Nobody will be taking their eyes off the ball. If Dermot Burns or Keen Lynch or whoever aren't performing, they won't play. Simple as to be someone else to come in there, and that's just the nature of it, and that's going to keep everyone on their toes. And it's a great place to be. I know there wasn't a whole pile of kind of storylines to come out of the weekend, given how many games were cancelled. But I was reading
3: your article talking to you know the Waterford management about uh, you know Walsh Park now being able to be used as a home venue. Did like did did it seem like they were taking a lot from that? Was it a big boost for them? Ah,
2: no, it did. And in fairness, and and John said it in his column on Saturday, like that it was a it was a, a big victory for Park Fanning. He basically doubled down from the second he came in as Waterford manager. He doubled down on the fact that we want games in Walsh Park and we're not going to give in easily and I think that's created a good kind of a siege mentality within the county as well and Having played four away games last year, they were they were handicapped from the start. They were under pressure from the start. And you could see even see in Derek McGrath's kind of face last night, he was nearly you know, it, it hurt it hurt him maybe that he didn't have home games last year but in a only one, wasn't it
1: one home game lost in the, yeah, the one ho- championship one home last game, year? Yeah. I mean it's and that some handicap.
2: that was he says that was the weight of a post with uh, with Jake Morris. You're, like, you're you know tr- what I mean?
1: You're trying to win the Cheltenham Cup Cheltenham Gold Cup running on three legs. I mean, when you when you have no home game and it will create, I mean, we saw what Newbridge or Nowhere did last year. I mean, ultimately, it didn't get Kildare over the line, but it got them past Mayo and it created a sense of togetherness. Um, and it's exactly what Waterford did. I agree with you. I was really interested watching Derek McGrath last last night. You could almost think, I wish I had had that. I mean, it was, yeah. what, was
3: what he was really uh, saying. Definitely. I was going to bring John in on that because uh, I think Derek said he wished he was more forceful on the issue when he saw Keen O'Neill and the Kildare footballers. John, like, what did you make of his comments?
0: Yeah, well, look, hindsight is, is a great thing. Um, well, it's very interesting, I suppose. Look, he will look back with regret that I think he's worried, that he, he should have forced it a bit more. Um, and I, I think, you know, he probably, looking back now, he is looking back with regret that he should have pushed the buttons a, a, a few more and, and probably said to himself, and, he's, and, and, and his panel said, well, look, it's 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 Welsh Park or uh, Welsh Park are Um But look, we can't, we can't look at the past. All we can look at to you now is the future. Welsh Park with two home games—it's—it's it's fantastic for the city. It's fantastic for the county. Uh, and look, we're back on a level playing field. And Clare and Limerick—they won't like the thought of coming down to Welsh Park. And I think, as as Derek highlighted last night, you know the main thing will be getting a couple more games. They'll play Galway there next week. Hopefully, get a quarter final uh, draw in Welsh Park. But the main team, they're going to be training for six to seven weeks. They're running to that first game against Clare on May the 12th. And if they can win that game, it sets them up nicely for, for, uh, to, to kick on, uh, for the kick-on for the remainder of the months of championship and hopefully kick on into the All-Ireland Series.
2: The big question, John, is it Welch Park or Walsh Park?
0: Uh, well, I call it Welch Park. Other people call it Walsh Park. So for, for us... Uh, City boys, it's Welsh
3: Pals. <laughs> yeah, Michael, it's actually a pity that game was cancelled because it was set up really interestingly, especially with Dublin winning. Because if Dublin, Dublin could potentially top 1B, if Waterford beat Galway, it'd be, you know, 1B can go under the radar sometimes, but it's really interesting to see where the two teams are at.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a pity you now, and I was I was down there yesterday, and it was it was just a pity because it was one of the games to really look forward to. Um, I suppose there was probably maybe a bit more riding on on that game than maybe a couple of the games in uh, in one A with some teams already through. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where where they're at. They're going to be. Uh, Parik Fanning just said as well now, just with the the fixtures and everything, teams are going to be chasing their tail a bit. Like I know that that Tipper off to Spain today on a training camp. I don't. I think it's for the guts of a week. So. Like, I don't know if they're going to abandon their plans. And Park Fanning said he had plans made as well, and they're going to have to rejig things around a bit. But yeah, it just, there's a lot of kind of moving parts now. But yeah, just on, on the Dublin result, uh, Leash, by all accounts, really stuck it to them. And we're very, like, Leash had an awful lot to play for, and we're trying to make sure that to not leave their fate in anyone else's hands and they nearly they nearly got a result and with Offaly beating Carlo then they, it worked out very well for them and they're through to a quarter-final and that's exactly what Eddie Brennan would have sought to do at, at the start of the league
3: Yeah and John just on Michael's point there regarding the schedule it, it is just very frustrating for the second year in a row that things are in a bit of disarray now
0: Will I can't for a life understand particularly after last year uh, what escalated and you know uh, the suffering of the clubs, the follow-on of the suffering of the clubs that were almost going to have a rerun of it this this year. I can't understand how last October, November, uh, someone within the within the, the fixtures committee didn't sit down and say, lads, right, coming into March, we need a gap week. Uh, I mean, I looked at the fixtures for for February and March, and I said, well, we, we always have the gap week after to uh, after round two, right? That's great. But we needed a gap week in 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 March, where it allowed. So on the off chance that, like days like yesterday, we had bad bad weather, which then allows you then to 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 f- fulfil the fixtures, and you still have your final days on uh, March March the twenty third. So what should have happened should have been you should have had your quarter final, then your semi final, and a two week gap then to the final. So. Which does which then allows uh, you know in, in 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 a situation that if, if bad weather does arise, you can fill in that you have that gap week to fall back on. But now we don't have that gap week. It's going to follow on and it's going to run into the, to the club schedule. Waterford, I don't know the do do uh, do very situation up in up in Offley. Waterford have around the games for March the thirty first and the first week in April. Now. What could happen then? You're going into the, club players are are going back into the unknown again. Will we, won't we be playing? And some club players, you know, if there's four teams left in the semi final, are still in the unknown thinking, well, this, this round of fixtures on, on March the 31st. Are they going to go ahead? Aren't they going to go ahead? And what it's going to do then is it's going to push it back another week. And the way club players are nowadays, club players have weekends booked away. They could be going away in stags. They could be, you know, they could have gone away with the, with the, with the with the woman, or they could be going here, or they could be going there. And what that do, do do what that is doing then is erupting their schedule. And I think it's just totally unfair. And I just think it's 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 it could be the tipping point where the volcano in the club club scene could uh, potentially erupt. And I don't know what the solution is. Do you do you push the Fitzgibbon the Sigerson Cup back to November, or there's, there's there's also a solution then that they could go back and play two rounds of the national league uh, before Christmas, which gives you a bit of space um, to allow for to allow for situations, I guess. Uh, if, if bad weather does arise, I don't know what the answers are. But look, I, the way it's gone now, uh, county teams now are, are playing challenge matches back in uh, are, are playing challenge matches in, in in November and December. So maybe two rounds of of, of the national league uh, could be the answer before Christmas.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. I just i i think i think the ga the fixture makers are just kind of rolling the dice, and it was the same last year, and hoping that nothing's going to happen. But just like given the way the extremes of weather that we seem to get now, like it's only, only natural that something is going to happen. Like if we get a deluge for two days. That's it. Game, games are off realistically, you know. So they just need to put in a bit of leeway, have a bit of a plan B. As John says, two weeks the league final would sort out. If anything happens, at least you have a week to fall back on. And what about his point regarding
3: the club fixtures? You know, because that does make things more complicated. And also, you have that weekend of the thirty first. You have the football league finals on the Saturday and the Sunday. So it'll be very hard to shoehorn in a hurling league final, which is what they might have to do.
2: Yeah, we're the, we're the same as Watford. We, we've uh, we've two rounds of championship won the last in March for last weekend of March first week in April and like as John says as well it is it is an absolute disaster you're kind of behind the eight ball again as club players seem to always be and like if Waterford do get to a league final uh, with the way things are now those club fixtures are going to be delayed again which is just a disaster it just knocks everything out Kilter you said you have plans made or whatever you could be going away it could be weddings organised around you just don't know and it's just you're literally just you're literally just hoping that nothing happens and you're nearly there's some for people like unfortunately this is probably the way club players are nearly hoping probably that Waterford don't get to the league final just so that their, their club games go ahead because that's what they've been training for since probably the first week in January
3: mm. Yeah which isn't a good situation for anyone and John just before we let you go to finish on, on Hurling Matters you mentioned that Limerick get impressed you. is there any other team so far in the league that, that's intrigued you or that, that you've been interested in watching?
0: I'm keep I'm keeping a firm eye on Cork, uh, the Cork project. I, I like what Myler is doing. Uh, obviously, there was there were slow slow star, starters in the league, uh, but look, if he, you got two wins under under, under a belt. they went up to Limerick last weekend. Very impressive. They beat Limerick without uh, that Fitzgibbon Cup uh, contingent, and I don't think you'll see the see the best of Cork uh, until the the ground hardens up. And I think Roy could be right. I think. Uh, they, they could be the ones to look out for for the All-Ireland this year um, but from from Clare then I think a big plus for Clare yesterday was O'Shea O'Brien coming on uh, he offers them a bit of speed in, in in the full back line so I was delighted to see him back uh,
2: You love a good man marker John you've been a big fan of I him now for a while love a good man
0: marker yeah. and, and I think I think that's what Clare needs within that full back line is tight tenacious cornerbacks if they're to the push on and win the All-Ireland and I think O'Shea uh, O'Brien the reappearance of O'Shino O'Brien yesterday from from a long layoff. I know David Fitzgerald sure had a great time from uh you know, in his in his last year with with, with Clare. So his reappearance, um, he's gonna be a big plus for Claire but yeah, I think I'm gonna keep a good eye on Cork. I think Cork could be the one this year, yeah.
3: Great stuff John thanks so much for joining us No problem Will So Michael we'll finish up this week's show with our performance of the week anyone you have in mind for or football?
2: Yeah it definitely went under the radar because there was only about 5,000 people there but uh, Schlockneil Neal winning three in a row in the All-Ireland Camogie Club Camogie was unbelievable and it was actually uh, a girl from Offaly was actually the difference maker she scored 1-6 Tina Hannan she plays with Offaly so she's playing uh, for Schlock Neal yeah yeah she's she's uh, engaged to Patsy Bradley so she lives up in Schlock the last maybe two years or that so day one the first All-Ireland in 2016 slash 2017 and then she transferred up there because she was living there and was man of the match, or player of the match in last year's final and in this year's final. She just scored 1-6. Uh, and just for such a small community as well, three in a row is outstanding. I know there have been a few Camogie club three in a rows, but uh, yeah, an outstanding achievement for such a small area. And it's going to be a bumper week for Camogie
3: on that performance of the week, because I'm also going with a Camogie with player. But, you know, I only got, a, I think, a, a C2, an ordinary level Irish. so forgive my pronunciation, of the team name Galateer... Galtier, yeah, Galtier. Galtier. Uh, I'm going with Kira Jackman, the goalkeeper, there's a great photo on sports well <laughs> yeah, five, yeah. Harry Murphy. It was absolutely freezing in Krog Park, and she had the foresight of a hot water bottle on with her as well to keep her warm during those long passages
2: of play when the ball wasn't near her goal. So It was Baltic up there. It looked Baltic, didn't it? It's like people don't realise, like keepers, it's grand out the field, you're running around, you're running into people, you're getting blocks and hooks in. The goalkeeper, apart from the puckouts, like if a ball comes in, if your hands are cold, like mm. and you miscontrol the ball, that's it it's a goal like you know what I mean so at least it and you can't some- wear big gloves like you no can't no no, sports, no. Like, you so know. someone coming up with something fairly uh, ingenious like that is a great thing in fairness that's, brilliant.
3: that's all we have time for the throne and association with Allianz this week thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week with another podcast and in the meantime you can subscribe to us on iTunes Soundcloud or listen on independent.ie so until next Monday thank you for listening and
2: goodbye
4: Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.